Hi there and good day. Welcome to North Bay's Heritage Diary. Listen up and we shall weave for you tales of days and times gone by, which can inform today and show the way to tomorrow. This Municipal Heritage Committee podcast looks at our town, our people, and our stories. This time we open the diary of our voices from the past for a conversation with the late Cup Gunning, former Nipissing University librarian and noted local historian, authoring more than a half dozen books on North Bay's civic and military history. Key reference for many of the Municipal Heritage Committee's heritage site plaques. This was originally recorded in 2001 as part of the Kochiko Cable series, Life Is. Please excuse any dated references. North Bay has a fascinating history, and uh, it's all there for an individual who has the time to dig it out, to research mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And uh, your real name is Cuthbert. Now, to me, that's 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 really an old, a real old-fashioned name. Yes, uh, my mother's maiden name was Marion Cuthbert. Oh, that's working. It's not a first name. No, okay. I, I okay. was first born, so they. And my, she and my father combined the two surnames, and I uh, resulted in Cuthbert Gunning. Now, that did you like that as a youngster? Well, uh, I don't recall that as much, but uh, my buddies all shortened that and called me Cup Gunning. You see, so okay, right. <laughs> it's a nickname you've never heard before; you'll never hear again. Right, right. So uh, I've gone along with that all my life. You weren't born here. I was born at Chalk River in the, in the Ottawa Valley, and on my grandfather's farm, actually, back in 1927. And uh, then my dad was CPR roadmaster, the youngest CPR roadmaster in Canada at that time, at 32 years of age, on uh, the Chalk River to North Bay section of the CPR. Do you know how long the family was, was established in the Chalk River area in the Ottawa Valley? Yes, they had to have been there since about 1880 when uh, my great-grandfather came in and uh, hewed the, the farm, the 200 acres, out of standing forest and, and bush, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. then it passed down through the generations uh, after that. How did you get here? Again, because of my father's work with the CPR. Uh, he was uh, uh, appointed roadmaster, and uh, the base for the, that section of the CPR, Chalk River to North Bay, was here in North Bay, so we moved here to North Bay. And you became uh, this uh, microbiologist. This just just doesn't ring. What what put you in that that direction? In high school, uh, my uh, stronger subjects were in the sciences, All right. and biology in particular. Okay. So, uh, as a result, uh, taking the biology uh, to another step, I went into microbiology. Okay. And uh, that was four years at the University of Guelph, and two years following that for a master's degree. Uh, one year subsequent to that in, uh, in the Ph.D. program. But being married then and our family arriving, uh, the grant for Ph.D.s back in the, uh, in the 1954 period was pretty small. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we just had to have uh, an increase in income. So then, through a, a classmate of mine, I learned of a position within the pharmaceutical industry, an international company, and applied and was accepted. 
Okay. Had you ever written anything at that point other than school essay or university essays? Just my master's thesis in microbiology. That's it? That was it. Okay. What, what got you into the world of books, from, from drugs to books? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I, th I think actually, uh, Peter, it started when I was about eight years old, when I started reading Zane Gray books. Oh, gosh, <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, uh, from then on, it was books, 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 uh, through elementary, high school, uh, post-high school studies. You were a great reader. And, uh, I enjoyed reading very, very much. And uh, that uh, uh, got me interested in, in library science uh, in, with the North York system, uh, as you know, as a suburban area of Toronto. Mm -hmm. They were looking for somebody with a biological background. I applied and was accepted. So it was more books. And then when the Nipissing University started in 67, one year later in 68, uh, they again uh, wanted a library administrator. I applied and was accepted there, so we sit here today as a result. And you were with Nipissing from 1968 till? Uh, about eight years ago, so we're looking at uh, about oh, 1993. Uh, mm -hmm. It was sort of hairy back those days, wasn't it, in the <laughs> late 60s? Well, uh, it, it, you ask that in relation to the... To today. As, as, you, as uh, as a librarian coming in today is coming into a well-established library system. Oh, yes. But when you went in there at that point, it, 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 it must have been sort of guide yourself by the seat of your pants sort of thing. The building itself was the original uh, home for the aged on mm -hmm. Castle Street. Right. And uh, the classes uh, were taught throughout the building. The library was maybe twice the size of this studio. Okay. And, uh, when the enrollment increased to increase the, the library, uh, a, floor, a hole was cut in the floor, a stairs put in. We took over a similar square footage in the basement. Okay. And uh, a good friend of mine who, who passed away just recently, Bob Surtees, uh, helped me move about 5,000 books from the main floor down to the, to the basement. So this was uh, the start of uh, the library at, at, at Nipissing College then. Mm -hmm. and, uh, 1972, of course, uh, we joined forces with Canadore College, uh, moved up under the new new quarters on the hill. In my estimation, the most beautiful campus That's anywhere yeah. in Canada. Yeah. And uh, from there on, uh, uh, of course, the library was extended, 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 and they're putting another big extension on it at the present time. Have you ever thought about doing a book on, on Nipissing? You were, if, if not, I mean, you, you came in not too long after they got going. Yes, that's right. One year. So One you'd year. have access to all sorts of great stuff. And there is a lot of primary material uh, available. Uh, that's a possibility. But it uh, has to be done. Yes. Really. It has to be done. We're at the stage now where it's got to be done, I think. I think even more fundamental to that, uh, Pete, is uh, the history of education in North Bay. Okay. I've yeah. approached uh, a number of very uh, qualified people to do that. I haven't been able to twist their arm hard enough <laughs> to, to get them actively researching and writing the history of education, uh, explaining to them that the, the first class was held in a boxcar in the CPR yards in 1882 with five students and, uh, and a so-called teacher. So uh, education has come a long way since 1882. Do you, are you, when you're doing these, are you still thinking as a librarian? Are you seeing gaps? Well, 
I don't think so. No, I'm uh, concentrating on the, the flow of, of uh, events here in North Bay. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have at our fingertips uh, a, a goal mine of uh, fundamental primary information in the microfilm of the North Bay Nugget mm-hmm. back to 1921. Its predecessor then, the Cobalt Nugget, which was printed here in North Bay, uh, takes us back to 1909, and it always had a column on events happening in North Bay. Mm-hmm. So this is all on microfilm. Uh, I don't know how many miles of it <laughs> there is, but... Some uh, of it not uh, very good uh, quality, too. That's a fact. That's a fact. And uh, the time required, of course, to peruse all that is extensive, uh, very much so. Do you, do you do try and, uh, as, as well as looking at the microfilm and... and because do you, do you talk to people as well? Do you get people, uh, some of the uh, pioneer families and pioneer people here? Well, actually, the, the people that came in at that time, of course, have all passed on, that being mm-hmm. over 100 years ago. But in my book, North Bay Start Point, each chapter, I have a quote there taken from the North Bay Nugget back in the 1920s uh, of people who arrived in the very beginning of North Bay. So those are word-for-word quotes that appear in that particular book. Mm -hmm. So you get the color, the the angles, uh, the ups and downs uh, experienced by those people at that time. So you almost relive the experience. Are you more comfortable dealing with with written material or microfilm material as opposed to dealing with with, a live individual? The former. Uh, with the... Uh, with the research written material. Yes, the, the written primary material in diff- many different sources. It's not only the microfilm of the North Bay Nugget. Mm-hmm. There are, of course, book sources and, uh, and uh, journal sources and, uh, and other sources. But doing it that way, you have a chance to reread it, to digest it, and to uh, formulate your own presentation of those events in what you think is, a, is the best readable form. Now... Are you uh, are you a reporter, in a sense? Are you a creative writer, or are you a researcher? Well, what what's what's the, of those three things, which, in your estimation, is the most important to your work? Well, the research, no, no question about it. Okay, uh, no question about it because uh, it's the most interesting to start with, and uh, you couldn't do the other two options without those basic uh, primary uh, sections of information. Do you find that your writing now, um, I don't know how to put this, your writing now is any different from when you started putting these books out? Yes. For instance, uh, the one that uh, I wrote first, North Bay's Home Front, uh, North North Bay the War Years, which is sold out now, those were all my recollections. I used no resources at all, just as I I recalled. Okay. North Bay in the period 1939 to 45. What went on here I- during the war and my recollections as a youth then growing up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but following that uh, into the other books, uh, uh, then the, the research of, uh, of journals, primary documents, etc. comes into the play. Your research skills, self-taught as well? To a degree, uh, but uh, acquired in the beginning doing my master's degree in microbiology, uh, where research was okay. very, very essential, okay. very essential. 
You've got uh, a book out on, on Fort Chippewa, which, which 1939, 1945, uh, and, and tell me what Fort Chippewa was, because this is before my time here, and um, I, know, I know very little about it, if anything. Its location first, uh, Peter, where uh, Chippewa High School is today in Troy Armories, right. that was where Fort Chippewa was. There was no bypass at the time, right. and it was on a direct route of adults and children's going to the ski club. So that was all open country there. Okay. And they built this uh, army camp and I believe it was late 1939, along with 32 other army camps across Canada. But this was unique. Fort Chippewa was a unique camp. And for, so. this, for this reason, all the men that were brought in there were illiterate. They had grown up in remote parts of Ontario and also uh, northern Quebec, uh, some from Manitoba, uh, with no chance of any schooling. Right. But they had turned 17 and a half. They were eligible for the Army, so they brought them in. And they could shoot in. a gun, too, <laughs> in all likelihood. The, yes, that's right. They brought them in, and they taught them to read and write, as well as basic infantry training. Well, that's fascinating. In other words, there were, there were, there were teachers there. Yes, yes. As well as uh, teaching how to march and, uh, exactly. and, and military drills exactly. and the rest of it. And it continued on as a unique camp in that respect until 1943 when there was a similar one opened, as I recall, at Joliet, Quebec for French-speaking Canadians. So uh, that was the, the Fort Chippewa. Now, that, what uh, f what, uh, now the, where, the, where the Troy armories were, were put, when, when I couldn't recall the original armories up there, pretty dilapidated, beaten up, uh, almost deserted buildings. Those were part of Fort Chippewa. Well, they were, yes. okay. Yes. They were all frame buildings, uh, including the huge drill hall, mm -hmm. but uh, all uh, after the war either fell apart or were dismantled. Yes. Now, you, you have an interest in the in, in military. Yes. Uh, do, you, do you sort of, uh, from, your, from your books, do you have any regrets? Do you think you were, because you were born a bit too late for World War II? Yes. Uh, I was stated to my son in particular, if I only have one uh, major disappointment in my life, and that was that I wasn't old enough to get into the armed forces during the Second World War. I actually did, uh, to correct that, as soon as I turned 17 and a half, a buddy and I grabbed the night train to Ottawa, joined the Navy at HMCS Carleton there, and we gave our age uh, a little, little more than we actually were. They did the preliminary paperwork and the medical examination, said, go on home, boys, we'll call you when we need you. This was March of 1945. Well, as you know, of course, a couple of, a couple of months later, the war was over, mm -hmm. and we were never called in. Uh, but uh, the military has always interested me. Can, uh, can, you, can you go back to the start of that? Why? Do you know why? Uh, it wasn't your, your family, your dad was not a military man. No, he was a railroad man. But I was in the Secretess for three years at that time. And that's where I got the basic interest in uh, military, Navy in particular. Okay. And that led to uh, the joining, uh, as I described it, and two more years uh, in the Sea Cadets here, and then in, at university in the University Naval Training Division. So uh, I've had marginal association with the armed forces. Uh, sailor wannabe, in a sense. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Is that where this cadet? Cadet Corps story, the eyes right, the cadet story comes from? Yes. 
That discusses the Army Cadet Corps, the Sea Cadet Corps, the Air Cadet Corps in Canada. I think there were nine altogether, as I recall, uh, five Army Cadet Corps, three Air Cadet Corps, and one uh, Sea Cadet Corps. And it goes back to the uh, First World War, uh, when the Army Cadets wore the puttees, the same as right. Armed Forces personnel in, at that time wore. And this was a, uh, a learning, a, a military learning exercise Definitely. sort of thing? Definitely. And you're, you're, um, they're still going now, cadets. Yes. Do, do, you, do you still have an interest in that? I think it, for youth, there is not an equal to cadet training for the, these reasons. It teaches respect for your individual's appearance, respect for authority, mm -hmm. and respect for your country. And uh, I'm totally behind. Are you, I, would you say that you're a spare the rod and spoil the child type? Well, I'll put it you this look, way. You sort of, you, if military is, is a strict, yes. strict upbringing in a sense. I uh, certainly believe to, with uh, children and youth that uh, discipline is required. Mm -hmm. To what extent, of course, uh, that's, that's debatable. Yeah. But certainly uh, debatable and uh, uh, some uh, sort of figures to follow, some examples to follow. Does it bother you when you see young people today? When you, when you see some of the things go on and read and... I would have to say yes, because I think that uh, they are being shortchanged. And I, I blame a lot of it on the media, what they see on and read mm -hmm. uh, that's going on worldwide in North America, and they are aping that. And uh, they uh, miss out I think, on, on a better life than, uh, than they are experiencing. And it's, uh, it's because of a lot of that. North Bay, the lean years, 1929 to 1939. This is the, this is, uh, the largest, the lo longest book you've, you've, you've put out, I, I, I'm assuming. At least it looks like it, it is. is. Um, was it the most difficult for you to do? Because you weren't, you weren't sort of fastening, a, fastening on one thing Fort Chippewa, cadets, um, North right. Bay's war activity. You're, you're dealing with complete lifestyle from yeah. 29 to 39, a yes. decade of adversity, yes. as you call it. Yes. The Depression years uh, I have treated in this manner. I looked at all available sources year by year. Rather than following one aspect of it through the whole uh, 10 years, uh, I would take year by year to bring in the interlocking uh, factors mm -hmm. that... Uh, people experienced uh, what went on, uh, and uh, it uh, was all drawn from uh, primary sources because I was too young to remember, right, of course, right, at that time. Right. And, and even your parents wouldn't have been able to help you because they weren't living here then. No, so. that's right. Is this, okay, la, 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 is this your best book, or would you, um, it depends is on your what best book your last book? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my feeling, yeah. yes. Um, this is a particular 10-year period, and uh, the, uh, the span of coverage is relatively short mm -hmm. compared to the, the one that I've written most recently. You've also got a book on HMCS North Bay, which, uh, I, and I've heard this was, uh, tell me the story of this. Why did we have a, a, a craft? And I know there was one, CBC recently talking about uh, HMS uh, Kappa's casing. Oh, yes. I, yes um, I read was, was this a similar story to that? Very much so. Uh, during the war, corvettes, of which North Bay was one, 
uh, were built uh, as convoy escorts, uh, plying the North Atlantic between uh, Quebec City or St. John's, Newfoundland, and England. Mm -hmm. And that was their major role, convoy escorts. So the North Bay was built at uh, Collingwood in 1943. Uh, it uh, served through to the end of the war and then was uh, decommissioned at Sorel, Quebec, uh, turned over to uh, Casey Irving at St. John, New Brunswick, stripped of all her armament, uh, made into a, a freighter, in other words. And interestingly enough, uh, Peter, she's still afloat. She's working out of Miami, Florida, a bucket of rust, as <laughs> you can well can imagine. imagine. Uh, and my good fortune was with that, the uh, Ministry of National Defense has provided me with a multitude of pictures of the warship North Bay as it was um, in her wartime career and some since then. As she was stripped of her armament and one taken, I believe, in 93, uh, showing her dilapidated condition. This was part of a... Uh, was it a, a, a... Well, I can't use the term fundraising. It wasn't, wouldn't be that, but it was an interest raising to try and get people in the, in the North Country to to become more involved in the war effort in some way, shape, or form? Uh, by naming by ships naming, yeah. after them? Yeah. I think that was, that was a factor, of course, but uh, it was a standard procedure uh, in the Royal Navy and uh, in the U.S. Navy to name some of the smaller ships after communities. Mm -hmm. So that, uh, that was uh, fundamental behind it. Is there anything extant of, of uh, like the, the, the hats with the North Bay on it? Yes, all gone. They're all gone. All gone. I have them all at home in my study, uh, but uh, in actual service today, they're all gone, of course. Yes, the bell-bottom trousers, for instance. The, uh, you have a full uniform? I don't have that, no. The bell-bottom trousers, uh, at that time, uh, pressed inside out, so you had a, an, uh, a crease that went in instead of stood out. Then okay. there were pressed, there were seven folds pressed in the bottom called seven C's in keeping with the nautical yeah. aspect of it. Okay. And of course the, the collar that went over your outside your, mm -hmm. your, your uh, top and the circular hat as you mentioned, the, 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 the trademark of the sailor in those days and in this case with HMCS North Bay. And you have a hat. Uh, I have the, the ribbon. The ribbon the, but the no, hat. Uh, no hat. The bosun's pipe that the, he'd be uh, the equivalent of a sergeant major in the army. I have that. I have uh, as well the key, two keys, one from the uh, ammunition locker of HMCS North Bay, the other one from the captain's uh, confidential file on the bridge. Those I have mounted in my study. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So those are a few pieces of memorabilia that I have. At the local legion, of course, is the bell mm -hmm. from HMCS North Bay. And this is a shocker in my estimation. On the forward gun position of that uh, Corvette, the city provided two crests that were mounted on either side of the, of the forward gun. The red HMCS North Bay, it had a, a motto on it. They were returned to the city after the war, after the ship was decommissioned. They hung on the wall in the old city hall. Mm -hmm. When that was demolished, I made inquiries as to where those were. Nobody knew. I put an ad in the paper. Anyone knowing of the whereabouts of these crests from the warship, HMCS North Bay, would the please contact me? I got a call. This uh, man said, I've got those, Cup. I said, where'd you find them? 
He said, I was kicking around in the rubble of the demolished oh, city no. hall, and there among the plaster and the lath were these two priceless crests from HMCS North Bay. He brought them to me, and I took them back to Ron Metals, who made them in the first place. Mm -hmm. They refurbished them, and they are now in the Legion as well. But if you can imagine... Uh, Doesn't it show the, 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 the almost contempt for history oh. at, at the time? And yet nowadays, everybody's looking for things like yes. that. But to let that happen was just incomprehensible. North Bay Start Point, 1982 uh, to 1914, uh, published in 1998, your most recent book, which is, again, uh, the starting of, of the city. And that's the one where you had the early arrivals talking about yes. talking their own stories. Um, what's your next project? I've got one half finished now entitled North Bay's Home Front, The City Its Citizens in World War II. And it deals with uh, what uh, the people of North Bay did to support the war effort. What went on here in North Bay by, through the, uh, the uh, associations, the, the, uh, the clubs, the churches, uh, the schools, etc., in uh, uh, bringing support of many different kinds to the women and men in the armed forces from North Bay, either in Canada or overseas. So this uh, is uh, about halfway through. And, uh, how long does it take you to do a book, roughly? Oh, I, I would say about two years. That is in abeyance right now because uh, I've been doing the series now for the last year for the Nugget. For the Nugget, yes, very uh, interesting stuff. Of the complete history of the North Bay. Right. And uh, you're going to uh, bind them together when you're through. This is what I'm hoping. Uh, I will certainly need some financial support on bringing that into book form, uh, but that would would be uh, my aim. To bring that detailed information into book form for present day readers, but also for the generations coming along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they would have that, that access to uh, a reasonably in depth history of North Bay. Cup, congratulations for on the on the work you've done in, in these uh, in these in these books and 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 in the future because you're con you're continuing to to do it. it. It's extremely valuable. A lot of people don't realize it now, but they will when when uh, we have all too few reference books on the city. There are some, but not that many. No, there aren't too many. This edition of our Heritage Diary, Voices from the Past, with the late Cup Gunning, was originally recorded in 2001 for the Kochiko Cable TV production, Life Is, and is rebroadcast in this format through the courtesy of Kochiko, your TV. Thank you for spending some time with us and listening to our stories. These productions are put together by the North Bay Municipal Heritage Committee not only to retell old tales, but hopefully to kindle interest in area history. Local lore is important to any community. We shouldn't let it go unremarked and unremembered. Views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the Corporation of the City of North Bay or its employees. Join us next time when we flip another page of the Diary of Our Shared Past. You can reach us at peter.corello at cityofnorthbay.ca. Production, Casey Monkelbahn and Peter Corello. Pete Handley speaking.